Answer me this. Are you a morning person? Maybe an afternoon person? Perhaps you're a night owl. Perhaps you feel like you never really get, get moving. Well, regardless of how you would classify yourself, you deserve to have a morning routine that serves you, that sets you up for success. Now, before you, you start rolling your eyes and go, oh, I've, I've heard all about the morning routine stuff and all the things that we're all supposed to do and journal and meditate and yoga, and I just don't have time for that or I don't like it. Guess what? That is not what I'm going to tell you. Instead, I am thrilled to tell you about my annual free event coming up called Master Your Morning. And over the course of five days, 30 minutes or less each day, I'm going to teach you how to create your own unique morning routine based on two things, your unique personality type, and secondly, the realities of your home life, right? You may not have a lot of time for a morning routine, and that's what this free workshop is all about. So if you want to come join, head over to megansumrall.com forward slash master your morning. And I promise you at the end of it, you are going to have a completely different relationship with the morning. Hey everyone. So I have an amazing guest back for the second time. Now I don't often bring the same guest back twice onto the podcast, but when it comes to our topic today, I'm always going to go to Brie. Plus, I wanted to give you guys a chance. As you know, you've been hearing about it. The Planapalooza annual planning event is coming up. And I have just a few guest trainers coming in on their area of expertise. And Brie is one of those. So I wanted to give you a chance to get to know her a little bit better as well. So I'm excited for you to meet or re-meet if you've listened to previous podcasts with her and really talk about this relationship of planning and finances today because they really, they just, they go hand in hand. So let's go ahead and jump in. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Sumrall. I'm the creator of the top program and top planner, teaching all things time management, organization, and productivity for women. I'm also a mom and wife, and just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Guess what? You don't have to feel constantly overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. There is another way. When you have the right systems and tools to plan and manage your time, you can live a life of harmony. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time, planning, and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. If you're ready to stop feeling overwhelmed, this is the show for you. And if you're new here, I'd love to get you started with my work-life harmony assessment. All you have to do is DM me on Instagram at Megan Sumrall with the word harmony, and my team will send it right over. Hello, Brie. Welcome back to the Work-Life Harmony podcast. I'm thrilled that you are here again. I'm thrilled too. I love being on your show. It's my favorite. Well, I am excited. So listeners, if you missed our first podcast together a while ago, I will make sure we link to it in the show notes because Brie always pours in everything. But I wanted to have Brie back because we are approaching the annual Planapalooza planning event, which is the one time all year that I do this. And, you know, I've been very honest with, I was super thoughtful about, do I bring in guest experts? If so, who? Pulled my audience of everybody that's been doing Planapalooza with me for the last 12 months. And actually at the top of the list was out of all of the things not related to your calendar specifically, the top vote was around money and finances. And how do we handle planning, aka budgeting, which, you know, a lot of some people have a love hate with that word at a higher level with our finances when we're stepping foot into creating our plans for the year. Because a lot of things that show up in my plan for the year, 
I like to have a lot of fun. I love to travel. Well, guess what? That costs money. So there needs to be, we can't just throw these things out there, right? Without knowing, and how do I get there? What does that look like from a monetary standpoint? So I knew, I was like, well, then I will bring Brie into Planapalooza. And so I asked her to come back on the podcast for you guys to get a chance to meet Brie even before the event happens. So that's the backstory of why we're here today. Brie, do you want to give a little background about yourself for folks that do not know you yet? And then we'll jump in. Sure. So I started going into finance after a decade of work in the nonprofit sector. And in, I mean, at first I was just a credentialed like investment advisor. I sold stocks and bonds and mutual funds. And, you know, did FAFSA planning and and nerdy things like that. But what I found in really working with clients was my clients are, were smart, successful, making good money, like members of the community, good parents. And they were coming in to see me with problems that were not able to be solved with better mutual fund choices. They were like, Brie, you know, I got credit cards for my first marriage. Like I'm paying on my own student loans. These kids are about to go to college. Like I make a couple hundred grand a year and I have $300 in my savings account. Like what's going on here? And so at that point, all of my knowledge around money was really in the very practical, like stock market based stuff. And so I started with very practical plans for my clients. I would make these gorgeous budgets. Like, listen, I don't know if your listeners ever like feel some kind of way about spreadsheets, but if, oh my they, God. if they were ever those kind I feel of, like ways, that's date night. I, know, for me. Like, so, I would make these sheets that included everything. And then my clients would come back like six, eight weeks later. I'd be like, how'd your budget go? And they'd be like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> we didn't uh, do anything. Thank you for, thank you for making this. And I was like, what do you mean? Like my little heart was just smashed. And so I started working with clients on habits and really reviewing their transactions. And that worked better. And then we started working on mindset and that worked way better than just doing the habits and the plans. And then we started incorporating like emotional intelligence into the mindset, into the habits, into the plans. And then like things started really clicking and I started really seeing my clients make massive amounts of progress financially saving money like they've never had before, investing for the first time ever, you know, having money to buy cars or put in new basements or, you know, pay for college tuition for their kids or like, you know, everybody's got their own things that they're working on. But, and so then what I started to realize was that I love doing that kind of work with my clients, that work that you have to do before you're really ready to choose the best mutual funds. And so I left my book of business and I started Sheep to Shark about five years ago. I mean, we make courses, we have a membership. I have some high-end consulting that I do for business owners. And that's kind of, that's Sheep to Shark, like in a nutshell. Everything that you do, what I so appreciate about your approach to talking about money is one, let's talk about money and not make it weird, right? I mean, women have so many issues with that, but you have expertise, support, help, for people, no matter where they are in their financial journey, whether it's someone who's like never even thought about it, I kind of wanting to get my head around it versus, hey, I'm already here and I want to level up to, you know, this whole other world of lifestyle. Cause so many people that I find when I, you know, the people that I kind of look at or follow in the financial space tend to be so siloed into just this one thing like, hey, I will tell you what mutual funds to done, or I will just show you how to get rid of your credit card debt, but then they don't teach how to prevent you from getting back into you know all the pieces and parts. And so I think that you really provide such a necessary and unique approach to how you view money because it isn't just about the numbers. And I do love numbers, but there is all the emotional 
and mindset work and habits and everything that goes with it. So I just, I really appreciate all that you've put together. Well, thanks. Yeah. The thing about it is it's never really the plan. That's the issue. Maybe in my entire career, I've seen it like once or twice where somebody literally couldn't figure out the math, but really, even then we're going to just call nonsense on that and be like, it was actually really something else. They're stopping because it's just, you know, money math is addition, subtraction, division. Like none of it's, you know, we're not, we said on your, yeah. we, were, we were together earlier this week. Like it's, it's we're calculus not doing, folks. Yeah. We're not doing quantum physics here. We're just, <laughs> you can do it with the calculator app on your phone, like where let's call a spade a spade. So the planet blues event that we're gearing up to be doing is all around more of those long-term strategic plans. And so many, you know, I'm really wanting to help people understand the right way to go about looking at your next year when it comes to planning, knowing that the world is so crazy, right? And things, schedules are shifting and all of that. But there is, when it's done the right way, there is a level of strategic long-term planning that can completely transform your life. And so in the event, we're going to be breaking, I'm going to be kind of walking everybody through that. And what people are going to uncover, and you know, always as part of my annual plans, is there are things that I have on my plan for 2023 that cost money (laughs) and not just the regular monthly things. Like, obviously I want to continue to have water and electricity and all that in my house. So I'm not talking about the recurring every monthly bills, but the vacations, the trips, travel is like my love language. I love to travel. And, you know, as we stand today, no one is paying me to travel or covering all of my expenses. So I would love for you to kind of share those five categories, right, of monies and how we can think about those when it comes to that longer term planning. And what does that mean when we're looking at stuff that we're thinking about? Here are the things I want to do financially next year. Where can I start today to actually know that, you know what? I can actually make that trip next fall. I'm feeling confident the money's going to be there, even though it's not today. Mm, Perfect. Yeah. So in my work, giving clients budgets, what I came to realize a little bit after the fact is that we have mental accounting systems in our brain, like the way that our brain sees money and mental accounting systems are one incredibly flawed and they really look at money in a way that is not actually how money goes. And so when we're working in a relationship with money, we want to set, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to talk about the invisible system and that is set up to like drive with your brain systems for mental accounting, which is how I see that it's more successful than a lot of other money management techniques. So I like to separate the money by purpose rather than by line item. And so when we look at the purposes for money, there's five main purposes that we want really want to be looking for for our household management system. So there's three different like flavors of savings and then there's two ways to spend. And then we also want to put these accounts in order of like their priority. So the mm. first place that we want our money to go when we're starting to make a plan about money is we want to pay ourselves first. And so this is a savings account and most of the, like if you're a W2 worker or I mean, any, I guess really it's like going to be a retirement funds. And depending on where you work, it's, you know, most of us have access to workplace plans, 401ks or simples or SEPs or things like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be 
for that, but generally your pay yourself first money is money that is going to grow. I call it your planting account. Like it's money that you're going to plant. It's money that's going to grow. It's not your emergency fund. It's not your rainy day money. It's not your vacation money. And we want to perpetually get in the habit of saving some of our income every single time we get paid into this type of account. And we really want it to become a habit where it's where we're not even so much attached to the long-term goal of it because the way that our brain kind of works is your subconscious brain lives like right in the here and now. So when we have a goal that's really far out in the future, your subconscious kind of like, wait, what? Today, I was hoping for some sex and a chicken wing and you want me to save money for you know, 60 years down the road and your subconscious brain is like, "Eh, what? But when you build it into the habit, it becomes subconscious and it's kind of just like brushing your teeth. Like, why do you brush your teeth every day? Is it for your long-term teeth health or is it really, really, truly because you feel gross if you don't do it? Yeah. Probably because you feel gross. Did I ever tell you about my starting my very first 401k? No, tell me. It was so, it was, you know, right out of college. So, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and Megan graduated from college all those years ago, 401k. So of course I don't know anything about it. And thankfully my dad has always been like, he's my go-to for investment, all that he's in the, he studies it. It's he's super knowledgeable. So I'm, you know, sitting down with my parents first job going through the benefit thing and all that. And so his number one thing is like enroll in that 401k and the money I was making was like barely covering expenses first job out of college. Like, and so I of course got the spreadsheet out and I'm sitting down with my dad and I'm like, I can't, like, I can't, I don't even have a penny to spare. Look at my budget. And he's like, Megan, you at least, you just have to invest for the company match. Like it's free money, whatever. I mean, I remember crying. I was like, I'm barely feeding myself. And so he calculated that it was $20 a month. If I could put $20 a month into my 401k, then I could start getting the company match and starting to see the results down the road. But even in the moment, I'm like, I can't. And so my dad who probably doesn't listen to my podcast, but if you do shout out to you, dad, he probably doesn't even remember this. He said, I will hand you a $20 bill every month for the next year. If you promise to enroll in your 401k and contribute $20 a month, basically I will pay that back for you. So I did. And I did that. I was with that job for a little over a year. And then I ended up getting another job and that ended. But I will say, I go back and look at that very first $20 and what they look like now, what? almost 30 years later, it's mind blowing, but yeah, the littlest amount, just the littlest amount, you know? Yeah. And I really love that you brought that up because your dad kind of just helped to give you the confidence that you could do it. And so when I work with clients, like the thing is you have to start where you are. And so even if that means $20, $20 um, you know, and $20 now is worth something different than $20 a month was when dinosaurs were roaming the earth. (laughs) So, you know, it's just really important to get started. And what that does for you is one, it changes your identity into an investor. You become an investor. You become like you go from somebody who didn't have the capacity for really wealth building to somebody who is on her way to being a wealthy woman. And that identity shift, like then you have skin in the game, you have money. So when it comes to building like wealth resonance, like understanding, like you have something to care about, you have money to care about. And so like the conversations around like stock market or mutual funds or or whatever become more report and be like, yeah, Dang, like I forgot, look, I forgot about that money and there it is. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's the first place you want your money to go. Then we're going to pay our bills, you know, and that's very important. We're going to pay the mortgage and the electricity and the internet and all the things. Then the next place we want our money to go is the second of the 
three types of savings and that's working capital. And so when it really comes to planning long-term thinking about money, I don't like for clients to have like emergency funds per se. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is typically when we save for an emergency fund, there's a certain dollar amount that we're looking to get. And then we stop, we break the good habit, which is like something that we do not want to do. The second thing is then we make a lot of just mundane financial things into an emergency. It adds a lot of stress and a lot of struggle and a lot of strife to our relationship. You don't have money for those shoes. It's an emergency. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, but it's like when you have to break into your emergency fund and then it always feels like being set back because then you have to restart the habit and then redirect cash flow. So the way that I teach it is to have just a working capital account. And so when we start to look, we want to project out over the course of the next 12 months, really at a minimum. And we want to look for any irregular expenses. Like I get my car taxes twice a year or certain kinds of insurances. I also live in a place where we do heating oil in the winter, right? So like heating oil is a few thousand dollars. And so you look at your irregular expenses and you start to total those up. Then you look for any foreseeable disasters. Like Am I going to need a down payment for a car this year? Like, yeah, like what's... I'm driving a 12-year-old minivan. We're thinking about wanting to get rid of it. Yeah. So we got to think about that. Yeah. So we just want to look at anything that's potentially, you know, going to need to be repaired or replaced. You know, those are things we want to start to consider. Then we want to look for any family obligations. Like there was one year, three, between my husband and I, three of our brothers got married in the same like six-month period. Wow. You know, so we had to, we knew in advance, but then we had to save some money for that for all, because we were in all the weddings, taxes, trips, like there's a lot, wedding gifts. And then any self-care that you do, that's not on a monthly or weekly, like it's not a super regular, but it's something that's really non-negotiable. All of those things is stuff that we want to start to look at and start to set that money aside. Most, if you don't do that, then typically we just buy the things with the cash that we have, but that really leaves us. For things that get to be bigger expenses, you know, if you need a few thousand dollars for something here or there, then typically that's usually what ends up on the credit cards. You know, it's funny. So like credit card debt is a major topic in my work. It's something that people bring up all the time. And really like we may feel like our credit card debt is a symbol of like reckless spending or irresponsibility, but typically I find most credit card debt for very boring things. Like my dishwasher broke. I didn't have money for back to school shopping. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we resent the things that like, you know, then we're like, I didn't even want to buy a dishwasher. And it kind of changes the flavor of our relationship with the dishwasher itself because then we're still paying for it. So when we set money aside for working capital, that helps one, to build trust in ourselves and our relationship with money. And two, is it, it's something that you're not going to stop doing. Like it's something that like, you're going to build that habit and it's going to be a lifelong habit because as long as you're alive, you're going to have expenses that are going to be bigger than your monthly, you know, like it's part of the relationship with money. And then if you have had a relationship with debt that you don't like, this is the account that keeps you out of credit card debt. This is where you start to learn to have money. Right. And I so, love your take on, I'd never really thought about that. Cause I know early in my years, I was like, Oh, let me build my emergency fund. And like you said, as soon as I had it, and I stopped contributing to it, but then it's like when you had to use it and I was like, oh crap, how do I get that back up? As opposed to now it's a constant money is flowing in and out of it. And it's just part of your everyday, every month life instead of a got it, it's gone. Got it. It's yeah. gone. Um, and on an emotional level, money that we let stagnate becomes, it's almost like a financial constipation, even though that's probably the least classy way to think about it, but it's like, 
That's what I love about you. Uh, but now we all get like, everyone gets it as soon as yeah, you start, right? It really causes a lot of pain on the outflow. So like when we let the money stagnate, then like once you have that emergency fund, mm-hmm. it becomes really painful to spend it. It becomes something that, we, you know, we feel like we've done something wrong or we're bad or we're bad at money or we shouldn't. And it really like then that entire part of your relationship with money is painful. The better we have a relationship with money, the more power we have to use it as a tool and wield it powerfully. And money's a big relationship in our life. I mean, really, money dictates where you live, what kind of schools you send your kids to, where you shop, what you eat, what kind of health care you get. Like money probably impacts 85, 90% of the decisions you make on a day to day. And, and so- your relationships. I remember when my husband and I were getting married, you know, the gentleman that married us, we had to go do some like pre-marriage counseling. He's like, we're here to talk about the big five, like one of you know, the top five things that will cause angst in your marriage. And of course, money was right up there in that list of the top five. Yeah. Yep. It's a whole thing. Cause there's, we also have a lot of junk that we've projected into our relationship with money. And that's, I mean, that's mindset work. That's emotional work. And really like Oh, this is annoying to have to share, but money's a journey. Like it's an ongoing relationship. And so, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I'm going to just fix my money mindset or I'm going to get rid of this scarcity mindset, which like one is literally not possible because your brain registers scarcity if like your brain works. So if you're alive and you have a functional, you know, operating organ up there, you're going to see and experience scarcity. But it's like something that there's always a next level of progress, no matter how far you get, no matter how much work you do, there's always a next level of progress in that relationship with money. There's always like, you know, next level income or intimacy or whatever else. And so, yeah, all super important. But when we start to have working capital, it helps us to kind of bring that preparation mindset out to a full year. And then we start to have money. And what we'll find is like our nervous system really calms down. Like we feel more calm, more safe, more secure in a relationship with money. And yes. And then when you have an emergency, even if it was something that wasn't necessarily on your working capital, like if if it comes up, you still have the money and you have time to adjust and you have time to prepare. But being able to address something with like being able to solve a problem with money really gives you just so much more authority for navigating through your life. So it's really both kind of boring and really juicy and exciting at the exact same time. Like, it's like, Oh, I'm going to put money aside for snow tires in advance. Like when you're doing (laughs) it, it's like, Oh, not like, you're not like thrilled about it. But then the day that you go to get your tires done and you have, you just have money and you didn't have to worry about it. And you were just like, thanks. Yep. Thanks. Like, it's just like done. You're like, oh, I feel like at first you can almost feel like the stress that would have been. And the resentment I feel is gone when I have to like, you know, air conditioners on the fritz. No one wants to buy. I mean, that's not sexy way to spend money, right? But it's, I'm not angry about it if the money is there as much as if it was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. And then you have to sacrifice, Mm -hmm. you know, or really cut back your lifestyle to have this thing. So it helps us also when we know when we're saving in advance, it helps us to keep our lifestyle spending in check for what is actually like what's in the realm of what we actually can afford. You know what I mean? So that way we're not, yeah, most of the time it just ends up on the credit cards. Like if you need an air conditioner, you don't have the money and it's a necessary, I mean, you you live someplace hot. Oh dear. Hell yeah. I need an air conditioner. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a thing. So then we want to look at our important things, right? So our next place that we want our money to go, that fourth place is 
you know, for vacations or upgrades or whatever you decide is important for you. You know, like I've got those trips I know I want to take. This is where that is now going to sit. Yeah, we can start to set that aside. And I do like for all of these accounts to be separate because they really have a fully different purpose. And so we want to see like our working capital is for stuff that we need. I mean, it's your money. If you want to transfer your money to spend your working capital on beer and peanuts, like it's your money, you're welcome to do it, but you're not going to do it accidentally. And I think that's really the main thing. So, so many of my clients are not reckless overspenders, but when we're not clear, we overspend because we're not clear. We haven't thought about all of the things we're going to need in the next 12 months. And so we overspend today because we have the resources today. And so it's just really like accidental. It's like, oh, I didn't think of that. And now I spent my money on, Mm -hmm. you know, Chris Stapleton tickets, which I was actually just looking at yesterday. (laughs) And, you know, and now I don't have money for snow tires. And when we have what we want, but we don't have what we need, we feel incredibly unsafe in that relationship. So setting aside for the things that you prioritize, you know, like I've had clients redo basements or buy lake houses or put in freshy, freshy new countertops or Botox or vacations or, I don't know, cheese trails. You can travel just to eat cheese, just so you know. Get out of, I can combine two of my loves, travel and cheese. Actually, I was thinking about coming to Asheville because I did hear that they had an Asheville cheese trail. Is this I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. I will let you know. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be checking that out. Oh, that's good. Oh, stuff. Yes. And so that's important thing. Since you get to see that money kind of, you know, build up and then flow out and then you get to do it again. And then you have your pocket money, which is like your gasoline, your groceries, anything you'd swipe your debit card for. And sometimes like you literally would transfer money from your working capital or from your important things to your checking accounts to, you know, to spend it. Those other accounts would be savings accounts. And that's the place where you do want to have some adult autonomous spending money, you know, where you're not like, hey, babe, can I buy gas? Text message emoji. Like we want to... <laughs> We want to avoid really like unnecessary, mundane, boring conversations about money with our spouse. Like we want to have the big talk. We want to have the juicy conversations. We want to address something if something does need to be addressed, but nobody wants to get a midday text message of, Hey babe, can I get a sandwich? Like, yeah. eh. But when money is tight and we're sharing one bank account, that is totally marital communication. That really does happen. So when we set it up, where, you know, the adults have a autonomous spending money and then you kind of manage that. And so the way that this breakdown helps so much is that way, when you log into your bank accounts, you can very clearly see how much money you have to spend between now and the next time you get paid. And then you can, that's a very small amount of the totality of your money that you can manage in the day to day. And it takes a lot of the other money off of your mental Mm-hmm. like your mental space. Because when we have mismanaged money, it takes up a tremendous amount of mental space. And that scarcity, that like working or reworking of numbers, the thinking about it, the problem solving while we're driving or doing something else or pouring our coffee, it literally reduces your intelligence by quite a bit. Because it's like a, just a taxation on the glucose that's happening in your brain. Yeah. So it's like your brain is so busy worrying about money that it's like kind of missing out on other really probably more important things. So when we lay it all out in a way that kind of fits, just fits our mental accounting, it really helps to build those accounts, build trust with ourselves, watch everything grow. And then 
you know, really like start to get ahead, start to have money in bigger ways. And then like next level, like once you have everything that you need taken care of that prepare account, that working capital, that's like a great place where we could stack some cash for like opportunities that come our way. You know, like you start getting to certain levels and people be like, Hey, I have this great opportunity for like a vacation house and I'm looking for three people to go in on it. And if you have the money, that option is that opportunity is available to you, but it does, you know, we want to be prepared for opportunities at some level too. Yeah. But first we got to take care of like the things we need and then we can, you know, be prepared for opportunities. And that's just like the quick and dirty version of the invisible system and kind of how it works. Hey there, if you are feeling overwhelmed, like your calendar is out of control, like you are just running against a race that will never end in terms of your to-do list, I have great news for you. I have just done a complete update on my app. Yes, I have an app in both the App Store and Google Play called The Pink Bee, and it is chock full of small but incredibly powerful trainings to help you get out of overwhelm. It includes my signature Ditch the Overwhelm training, an introduction to my time management framework. It can help get you started on weekly planning, helps you understand the four levels of planning, gives you access to my epic One Notebook Challenge, and some tips and tricks on how to get your phone organized. And all of that is available for you right inside the Pink Bee app. So open up either your app store or Google Play, do a search on the Pink Bee, all one word, download the app. And then to unlock all of that training, it's only $4.99 US. I will see you inside the app. I love everything about that. And it's like, you know, I look back on my mental self as it relates to money years ago to now that we actually have these accounts separated and all of that. And I can just, I mean, it felt like almost every day was looking at the bank, you know, I'm running to the grocery store and I just bought groceries. Did I overspend? Did I stay in my budget for grocery? Like, I don't know. I don't know because it's just one lump of money and you catch it at the right day and you're like, I'm a millionaire. You look at it at the wrong day and it's like, oh my God, I'm going to be kicked out of my house, right? Because if it's all lumped in there together, you know me, I had the spreadsheets. I had all the spreadsheets, but there wasn't an easy way to have a snapshot at any moment in time to say, what's my money in constant flux versus what's saved versus what is sitting out there in that working capital for the non-recurring, but I know it's coming. And so the mental energy and the amount of time I wasted pulling up spreadsheets, replugging in numbers just to get the lay of the land, as opposed to now it's simply pull it up, all of those accounts in one view and to go, yeah, good. Like, yep, the vacation money's there. And it took me a half a second instead of five hours of stress and digging around. Yes. And I would tell you, so listen, I'm the type B personality and I enjoy not keeping spreadsheets. And so this system works for the Bs, you know, of the world yes. who are like, I do the math and then I put the money in there and then I know that it's going to be okay. And that is good enough for me. But if you are also, if you are a type A, you can add some tracking to this to know kind of where you are. Of course. Yes. Or a process of checking on it every week for like, I have my little money set aside on my little money time every week. And so I'm not knee deep in spreadsheets, but it's how I feel comfortable with my controlling tendencies of checking in, you know? Yes. I love that. And 
The thing about working capital is that, all right, listen, the first year you do the invisible system, the first time you do it, you're going to do your best and you're probably going to be wrong a little bit. And that's okay. And as you go, you can keep track because there's going to be things that you just forget about. Forgot. All right. Like, so for instance, my family loves Halloween and we usually decorate for Halloween. And I didn't really realize that like, it's not like a few dollars of decorations. There's usually like, you know, at least a few hundred dollars of new decorations where like, sometimes I have a party Mm. or whatever. I mean, there's always something fun happening. And when I really looked at it, I was like, oh, that's really going to working capital. So that way the, you know, the week that Halloween is, I'm not like not buying groceries because to have your, yeah. Like, or buying, you know, going through my pantry. So that way I could buy myself skeletons at target or whatever weird thing I'm going to be up to. And then you kind of, you just adjust and you put it in for next year. And you'll find that the universe, that the law of attraction, when you start really like taking kind of power and taking control in your relationship with money, you'll see that the money responds. And it always happens in ways that sound real one-off, but I've been doing this so long with so many clients that all of the, like I have come to expect kind of weird and unexpected things to happen with people in their relationship with money as they start to do this work and they start to organize it and they start to really like care for their money and do this. Like I've had clients, parents pay the kids like tuition or rich aunt gave one of my clients enough to pay off all of their credit card bills Mm -hmm. or somebody else gave somebody a 0%, you know, like an aunt or a, yeah, it was an aunt gave somebody a 0% loan. I've seen clients where one person does all of this and gets their relationship with money better, the spouse gets a $25,000 raise. Like, and it's, it works. I mean, it really, yeah. And so what we're going to be doing, you know, I wanted you guys to kind of get a flavor of, you know, starting with this invisible system. So one of the things that we're going to be doing with Planapalooza is you guys are going to be learning more from Brie, but then I'm going to be saying, okay, based on this, if getting this invisible system is in your plan for 2023, what does that look like? How do we make sure it happens? Because we all hear this, right? And we're like, this is the year I'm gonna, but then January comes, it's cold. And then it's February. And then it's like March and it's April. It's like, well, I've already missed the first quarter. So we're going to make sure for those of you that are wanting to get a really good foundation set up prior to January 1, 2023, as it relates to planning around finances so that you feel good about vacations, you feel good about all that, we're going to be really getting a much deeper dive in the Planapalooza. So I can't wait. Now I am going to be sharing a link for those of you that want to get started right now. I've got a link in the show notes to Breeze Find Your Bleed course. Give everyone the quick like 30 second because I think this is a great place for everybody to start. Yes, Find Your Bleed is is a really beautiful place to start. And basically what we start to do is have financial intimacy. And it's the step that we would actually take before we get into the invisible system, because in the invisible system, there's an assumption where your money is kind of directed where you want it to go, which means that you have to have already stopped putting it where you don't want it to go anymore. And so in Find Your Bleed, I teach you how to track your money. And in that, I teach some, like there's money tracking software and you may already be doing that, but I teach how to read that and really what you're looking for in your own transactions. 
And then we go through and I teach you ways to eliminate waste, what to look for and how to do it. I teach you ways to increase your efficiency, to free up time, money, and mental energy all at the same time to just have like a more streamlined life. I teach you ways to eliminate low joy purchases, which are generally rooted in some sort of emotional spending and how to really address like the underlying emotional need rather than just using money to, to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time when we're using money to fill an emotional need, if we're not very intentional around that, it's like a little bandaid, like then we have to do it again tomorrow. So we talk about all of those things and it's a quick course. I mean, it's $39. The return on investment you will get like literally within probably like three hours of finishing the content. I just do it. Yeah, like it's, it. Yeah. it's really a no brainer for like just how to like look at things, how to see things. Like, and we talk about changing habits and how to do that. And it's really just like a really great, it just helps. To I have think it's like, a foundation everyone should yeah. have. And what I love about it is for those of you that have been in my top program before, you will see it mirrors exactly where we start in the top program with regarding our time. It mirrors exactly where Bree starts us with our money. Cause with the time it's, we have to basically the whole first part of that program is finding your bleed with time. We need to understand first, we need to track it. You need to track it the right way. And then you need to know what you're looking for as you tracked it to identify where we can eliminate waste with time. It's the same principles, but presented so beautifully. So I would encourage you guys to go take the time and go through it. Like Bree said, you'll, you, it'll pay for itself in a matter of a day. Oh yeah. Um, it'll, <laughs> because so you'll fast. find a bleed, you'll put the bandaid on it and you will have made back your investment. It's, it's yeah. awesome. And we see clients literally saving tens of thousands of dollars in a year just by going through this. Yeah. And then also having more time and a lot of times too, we see clients really upgrade their levels of self-care. Like I once had a client who was like, I like to go to the grocery store five days a week because I like to touch the lemons. It's how I care for myself. And I'm like, what? What a low grade level of self-care there, friend. Like, let's stop spending our money on this and get you a massage from time to time. Yeah. Get yeah. you a babysitter, or, you know, something like, you know, although there is, listen, there is a certain level of satisfaction in going and looking at all the beautiful produce, but it, I'd rather not do it in a grocery store. Thanks. Yeah. It's a thing. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. I cannot wait to dive in more with you inside of Planapalooza. It's always a treat to have you here. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Getting on top of all things, time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. If you want one tap access to all of my training and current top podcasts, go to the app store or Google play and download the pink B app. It's one word, the pink B. It is jam packed with simple yet powerful tips and strategies to get you out of overwhelm and into harmony. And if you have a question you want me to cover on a future episode, go to iTunes and ask your question in the podcast review section. And while you're there, don't forget to leave a five-star review.